Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. Hey friends, I've got Siri here today. No, not the iPhone that seems to have almost all the answers to the world's questions, but the Siri who has 26 years of professional experience as a healer that might just be able to answer all the healing questions, or if not, be able to point us in a direction that'll serve us well. By the end of today's podcast, I'd be very surprised if your nervous system wasn't feeling calm and regulated because Siri's energy just seems to have a way of doing that. I met Siri in LA at a retreat, and over the course of three days, I heard her speak her truth over and over again in such a loving way, and it stuck with me. And it was kind of a nudge from my soul that I could do it too. I could speak my truth eloquently instead of staying quiet. So I can't wait to dive into Siri's story and share her journey of all the knowledge and wisdom and lessons that she's learned along the way. Siri, I'm so happy that I get to sit with you today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my goodness. So that intro was felt like a Valentine's. It felt like opening a Valentine's from a best friend. And not only that, but your background with the roses and the collages and the colorfulness and your shirt with like the flowers and the pink. It's so my vibe and it's so creative and fun and like you feel like a Valentine (laughs) to me. (laughs) Well, I love that. Sending all the love. I'm happy I can be your Valentine today. You are. And so the other thing that I wanted to say is when you said that it gave you permission or courage or what have you to speak yourself your your truth more authentically or be more yourself or whatever that was i'm like what because well it makes sense but that's what i would get from you right like so i guess we're just reflections of each other because i am at the retreat with you at kathy's house and i'm going oh my god she is so authentic she's so dropped in she's so real she's so willing and eager and ready to open crack her heart open and share her whole you know, her deepest, darkest truths with this whole group of women that like, we didn't know that well to begin with, like most of them we didn't, right? So I was just so impressed with your authenticity and your expression. And then the other day when we were on a Zoom together, a couple times where you shared, and that was what I was thinking. I was like, she's so good at taking up space. Like I wanna be, more give myself more permission to take up space like that because i get very self-conscious like well i better use my time incredibly efficiently like i better not say too many parts of the story like let me just really like boil it down to like two sentences because i get afraid of taking up too much space but you're like so chill and relaxed. It's this is how it comes across. You're just like, yeah. And so I'm a good storyteller and here's the story. And this is, and you take us on the ride. And I'm like, oh my God, she's so like confident and comfortable and relaxed. And like, it doesn't even matter what story you're telling. We're just so happy to be on the ride because of your energy and the way you're telling it. So I, I, I see that in you. Uh, thank you. 
Thank you. I totally received that. I love that. Um, and I feel, I feel that like I do, you know, I am a storyteller and I take you on the ride and sometimes people fall off because I like to tell all the little teeny <laughs> details and this and this and this, but that's what makes a good storyteller, isn't it? Yeah. I, I yeah. like to take people on a ride and in the way that you were speaking your truth, because this is kind of where I'm at. I feel like yeah. I'm so dropped in. I'm so on the ride. I'm so aligned in so many ways. And yes. then there's these teeny tiny truths that I'm not speaking up. You know oh. what I mean? It's just like the okay. simple, it's like okay. the little teeny tiny things where instead of like just saying, stating my opinion or sharing an idea, or I was always kind of like the peacekeeper and yeah, people yeah. pleasing. So yeah. yeah, I just saw you in so many ways, just like actually maybe like disagree or have a different opinion or this or that. Really? You, you just said it so eloquently. And I was like, wow, I need to, um, I was disagreeing with people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cool. I don't remember doing that, but that's cool. You, you lent me your bathing suit, which was like, this is the best woman ever because it was like this beautiful sunshine color. And it was like, oh, of course that's the bathing suit that I needed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I know I had two. And uh, yeah, it just so happened that you got to hang in the pool. Um, yeah. I was, um, and I had mine in my purse the whole time and I never did put it on because I looked at the lineup for the washroom to change into the bathing suit. <laughs> And I'm like, I am not spending an hour standing in line. I'm just going to go to the pool, roll up my pants and actually get to chit chat. Um, but that's hilarious. Yeah, I love that. It's like, I got to lend one of my suits to you. So you can oh just my gosh. enjoy. Yeah. Candace, I so relate to that. I do not like to stand in lines. Okay. So that's why I was next to the bathroom, but I'm going to let you, I'm going to stop. I'm so excited. I'm like... <laughs> Me too. Okay. So let's start here. I want to, um, I know you work with people to help them to re return to the soul that they are. So yes. I want to know what did this journey look like for yourself returning to your soul? Dude, that's a question. Oh my God. Thank you. Okay. That's an everyday practice. And that makes me want to cry for one thing. We're never not the soul who we are, right? That's a fallacy to begin with. <laughs> like, but we can feel disconnected and we can feel out of alignment and we can feel like this isn't who I am, right? We, can, we forget the truth. And that's why I love having a mirror, like a friend like you, because we can remind each other of our truth. Like, no, this, this is who you are when we forget. And I think it's easy to forget because of all of our saboteurs and our programming and the ways that we kind of don't allow ourselves to succeed. And this bullshit of like unworthiness and I'm not good enough and I don't deserve blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, I'm so over it. So returning to the soul that you are is just this simple remembering, right? It's just having, for me, it's having practices. It's having practices 
that can bring us back or having friends that can bring us back or having a facilitator that you trust that can bring you back. And that can be, as you know, like it can be so many different things. It can be a walk, it can be a journal. It can be, what I do is uh, chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, I have a Buddhist practice. So we try to, I don't always accomplish it, but we try to chant morning and evening. It can, for me, the li- there's life changers. So one first life changer, Reiki, the unconditional love Reiki energy. It's the natural system of energy healing. So it's really just the energy of unconditional love and tapping into that. We all have access to that, but it just gives us structure. And you know that fine tuning that we always are talking about, like the radio station that Kathy talks about. That's really what an attunement is when you have a Reiki attunement from a master. So as a teenager, I got attuned to this Reiki energy and it was just the crumbling of all of the anger because I was so angry. I was so angry. My mom says that I came into the world angry which is like thanks but (laughs) thanks for that (laughs) sorry mom but that doesn't feel good but um here's the thing that i've realized in the past few years is i felt so out of control you know i didn't feel safe i didn't feel like there was a predictable structure and so there was no coming home to the soul that I was in a predictable way. That didn't actually occur until I was 29 to have a predictable way of coming home to the soul that I was. Um, And that was through Buddhism. Everything Mm -hmm. else was just sort of like, maybe it would work, maybe it wouldn't. I mean, Reiki certainly, coming back to that attunement process, like that definitely crumbled layers for me of fear and unpredictability and anger. There was kind of like a, a shield, you know, of anger around me. That Reiki energy definitely crumbled that for me. And then that was the beginning of me providing that for others. Like, I want to be this safe space for you. I want to bring you back to the soul that you are. So foundationally, Reiki has been that for me since since I was a teenager and continues to be that, that safe, you know, putting a hand on my heart or putting two hands over my throat chakra. I really love to have my hands on my throat chakra, like if I'm taking a nap or going to sleep at night. Um, Speaking of how we were talking about, you know, feeling safe to speak your truth. So your original question was something about coming home to the soul that you are. Yeah, and your journey and where you found that. Because I feel like usually what we teach is what we needed and what we've learned so that we can teach to other people. So yeah, my original question was, what was your journey like? So it sounds like Reiki was the uncrumbling, like you said. So what happened to all of that anger that you had? Like, did something, did it open you up to something else, different ideas, getting curious? Was it like a healing energy and like a, 
path forward. What was it like for you when you originally got into Reiki? It was like, I didn't realize that there was this suit of armor around me and that there was this uncomfortability within me so tangibly until the moment that it crumbled. And then you have this feeling that you've never felt before that is like love, like just pure love. And so there's tears and there's just a letting go, right? And like, uh, it's so hard to put words to it because it's such an experiential thing. So I like in a lot of ways, if you haven't felt that energy of Reiki before, it's hard to even know what that is. Mm -hmm. Um, But a glowing warmth from, from within, Mm-hmm. And just this feeling of warmth and safety and calm and acceptance and letting go. And there's nothing to do or try to do or accomplish. Just a being in your soul. And that is something that, you know, once, once you're attuned, you can always return to that. So I didn't just magically stop being angry. I still had a lot that was uncovered once I got married. Mm-hmm. Once I found my safe person that wasn't going to leave me because I have this abandonment wound <laughs> that most of us have, but it's pretty, it gets pretty like loud for me. Um, but once, once my husband felt like he was going to be around that all started coming back out all that anger and all that fear and so we went through a real hard time and then actually i attuned him he came to my first degree reiki class and my second degree reiki class and on the second degree reiki class i think it was the final day of that certification we were in west hollywood and he just was crying and he just said i i'm unhappy trying to be an actor because we were both actors professional actors and he was like i don't want to do this anymore and again i think it's that it's that moment of like not you don't have to prove anything so over the years all the healing work he and i have done together and that i've done alongside him of my own that's continued to um, dissolve the anger. Mm. But even just even just a, like a week and a half, I was a week ago, a week and a half ago, my dad and I, with my breathwork facilitator, did a breathwork session. And that was crazy. Because he was crying about his dad and his relationship with his dad, and I was crying about him. Right. It's like that generational trauma of like, that's just that ancestral trauma of like, oh, yeah, you felt abandoned, too. Mm -hmm. And that's why you couldn't show up in the way that I wanted you to. And then so he was forgiving his dad. I was forgiving him. And then we ended up talking about because it just so happened. We realized that we were breathing together and crying on the day that four years prior 
his dad was passing and we were helping his dad to pass over and I was giving his dad Reiki. And that was the closest I ever felt to his dad. My whole body is just like, I don't know, all tingly. I have so many, there's so many different questions that I've got to like dive in and ask you. I'm sweating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think like just um, this one thing that comes to mind is when we first got on the call, it's like, we're a mirror to each other and a reflection of like, all of the goodness and greatness. And like, we see that. And then you talked about like, you know, with your husband, um, we're a mirror to each other of all of the things that are good and great. And of all of the deep wounds that we need to heal. It's like a mirroring. So, and then one thing that I thought of when you were talking about like you and I, like seeing all the greatness and it's like mirrored and so wonderful, um, is also like, those people who are consistently mirrored by um, maybe like the stickiness and the not great greatness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think some people are up against these really tough mirrors yeah. and then they can make the decision whether, and I, and I think it's kind of like, we don't even really know this sometimes, but that can be like an allowing or an offering to get curious about it and heal some things in ourselves instead of just like wondering why we're constantly in this space of like, Oh, things aren't great. Like not like, tra- like trauma bonding. You're talking about trauma bonding. Is that what it is? I've never heard that word. What is trauma bonding? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an expert on trauma bonding, but I have, feel like I've experienced it and I heard Mel Robbins talking about it recently um, on a clip on Instagram. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think what it sounds like, right? It's like, I have matching trauma to your trauma and we're going to bond over it and we're going to get together and we're going to play it out and we're going to try and play it out until we can heal it. Someone heals it or we both heal it or we're going to stay together for a lifetime and heal it together or it's going to do whatever. Like, I don't know. There's, I'm sure like a thousand versions of what happens when two people match trauma, have matching trauma. I know for my husband and I, we have matching abandonment wounds. Yeah. Another, <laughs> so another you picked, thing that you picked up, up on that. <laughs> you picked up on that. <laughs> another thing that came out of this that I've wanted to ask you, even before I sat down with you that I thought about it, but it just kind of like leads there. I yeah. feel like there is a lot of times these invitations for women to heal and connect and get together. And sometimes the men are excluded. And sometimes right. we also are like, so maybe desperately or like really wanting the men in our life to walk along the journey and heal. So we can just live this elevated, like clean, lovely, you know, Mm-hmm. partnership in whatever way it is. I mean, it could be like a partner mm-hmm. or friends or family or whatever, but mm-hmm. a lot of times, um, the men, they're not on the ride. Yeah, yeah. They're not on the ride. They're not invited to the experiences. So I love how yeah. your husband jumped on the ride. Cause sometimes it might be scary. And then, you know, had this realization for himself and I'm curious because I have uh, three sons and one little mm-hmm. one who's still home. And I think like 
obviously our parents do the best that we do. They can, I'm doing the best that I can. And as much as I've healed myself and of like, I'm healing myself so I can become the best version of myself for my children, my spouse, myself, that he's still going to grow up and there's still going to be things that he needs to heal through and deal with, but it might be easier giving him some of the tools that I've learned as a little boy. So you have two little boys and your husband. So are there any things that you have come across along your journey that you're kind of gifting or sharing to them so they can kind of heal things as they're growing up and don't have to wait until this like one point to start the healing? Oh my gosh. So many things I want to say. (laughs) Oh, I try and remember the things. Um, first of all, I think that's a whole podcast episode talking about men and their wounds and the support that they need and the ways in which they either receive it or don't receive it and the opportunities that are there for them or not there for them, the permission that they're given, um, the fact that there's hasn't been previously tons of way showers mentors for men to be vulnerable, to be on the path, like it's a, it, they're suffering, men are suffering because of the conditioning of our society that they're not supposed to be vulnerable and they're not supposed to feel their feelings in general, like I'm making generalizations. And, you know, they don't tend to feel comfortable. This is such a generalization, but like a lot of men don't feel comfortable going to therapy, for example. And there's such an isolation that happens, I think, Outside of like, yes, okay, getting together for like sports events or even getting together for like theater stuff. Like I, you know, my husband and I both were theater kids. So there's that, like that to me is such an exploration. And then there's women who choose wounded men that they feel like they need to heal. And us as empaths and healers, uh, women who identify as empaths or healers, you know, whether we choose men that we feel like we need to heal and we're attracted to the wounded boy, um, or we choose men that are really taking the path of self-evolution and what I call in Buddhism, human revolution, that they're really committed to their self-growth and they're going to be on that ride with you. It might not look exactly the same way, but that they're committed no matter what to evolving as a human on that self-growth journey. That's a certain type of person. That's a certain type of man. And it's not to say that if a man hasn't been that type of person that he won't start to become that person because he's inspired by his partner. But for me, I after, you know, I was engaged to this one guy. And when I started showing up as what Amber Sousa calls all of me, when I started showing up as all of me, like the wounded part, the scared part, the angry child, he was like fucking run for the hills. He was not on that journey with me. So we didn't end up getting married. He broke my heart. It was horrible. Like, and then I had to spend, but it was a gift because I spent a couple years finding myself and like it was such a gift that he wouldn't talk to me and that I then found my Buddhist practice and then I and and that's the thing with my parents like my soul chose my parents because they have always both been seekers and they've both been committed to their 
evolution no matter what in various ways and journeys so to me it was always inherently like in my heart like i i need even when i didn't know it but like eventually i realized like i i have to have a person that's on the path because otherwise i will outgrow them and it won't last for me so jake my husband is on the path he's been on the path he's what's called a fortune baby so he was born into the Buddhist practice. His parents have been chanting for like 43 years, both of them. So he's committed to that path and he does all sorts of stuff. So for me, it was like, okay, we're going to be good because I know he's always going to be looking for how can I take responsibility? How can I grow myself? How can I better myself? He's always going to be inspiring me to better myself. And that's the type of person that I've needed. Um, and also, I think it's important, like a girlfriend of mine, one of my best friends in L.A., she, her and her husband are actors. She's kind of steered away from acting. He's still acting. He's not like, quotes, spiritual, you know, in a tradition, like in a way that we would perceive. But that's okay because his way of being committed to his evolution works for them like he will go to the gym no matter what he will go on hikes no matter what he will seek out community no matter what like so there are just ways that like we can also just appreciate that that person is not necessarily doing their quote spirituality like some of the most spiritual men are men that are like riding horses all day and they don't say any prayers or whatever we think is spiritual i think it's just like how those two people can appreciate the other person in the way that they are connecting to source. That's so good um, that you bring that up, that spirituality or like evolution and growth looks so many different ways to so many different people. And if it's serving you, it doesn't have to like fit in this box or this, this way that we might think it might look. Um, I want to hear this story about you and your husband meeting. I know you said you're like theater kids, you're, you were actors before, like, what is that story? How did you meet? How did you connect? And then like the Buddhism, like, okay. Thank you for asking me that. That's a really special story. I had a broken heart. I was looking as Kathy says for love in all the wrong places. Obviously she's quoting a song, but you know, I started, oh, okay. Let's trace it back. So in acting school, in the Meisner acting school in Santa Monica, I was really close friends with this guy, Ben. And Ben was having coffee with me. I was like complaining to him about the looking for love in all the wrong places stories of like looking for validation through other men that were not treating me well because I wasn't honoring myself and I had the abandonment wound and all this. And so he's like, let me take you to coffee. And he told me about Buddhism, Nichiren Buddhism, which is through uh, SGI, which means Soka Gakkai International. It's a worldwide lay organization with, you know, 12 million members plus. I hadn't heard of it. So I started going over to his house every day and learning what's called Gongyao, which is this chant. Like, it's like that. So he's teaching this to me every morning I'm going over there, I'm chanting with him. And then the main, the bulk of the practice is what's called Daimoku, which is Namyo Rengegyo, Namyo Rengegyo, Namyo, right? So we're practicing this and I'm like 
going to therapy also. So I go to my therapist and I'm telling him about Ben and the Buddhist practice. And he's like, you're in love with him. And I'm like, uh, didn't occur to me, which he was wrong. I was not in love with him. I actually, and through all the doing all the wrong things discovered <laughs> that I was in love with this Buddhist practice. Mm. I was in love with what he was teaching me. It's so easy to confuse being in love with what you're learning with the person who's teaching it to you. That transference thing, I've had a thing with. <laughs> so many stories about that. Okay, so I then find out that I'm supposed to get, I, I got this acting job. And my girlfriend that I was referring to earlier in LA, she says, uh, there is a guy that's coming over to me and my boyfriend's house because I had introduced her to this Buddhism. She came over to Ben's, introduced her. She's like, there's a guy that, that's been uh, supporting my boyfriend in Buddhism because like he would come over to the house and chant with them that has a job at the same job that you just got. He just told me. So you're going to meet this guy, Jake. And I was like, oh, cool. And she's like, he's a Buddhist and he's the lead in this acting job that you're about to do. I was like, oh, cool. So I knew I was going to meet him before I met him. And meanwhile, I had been doing what's called a campaign in Buddhism, which is like specifically chanting for something that you want over a course of a period of time. And this is how many hours I'm going to dedicate to this thing. And so it's like a motivator that earthly desires equal enlightenment. So it doesn't really matter if you want like a car or you want the love of your life. It's like the fact is that it's like bringing you to your practice. But I had this list of 23 things that I wanted. I was like funny, cute, or I don't know, good looking, maybe was on there, like smart, loves dogs, all this stuff. And then someone told me, and I can't remember who, to put available because I hadn't put that. And I was like, that we're adding that because I used to like unavailable men because I was like, oh, I want what I can't have. And like, you're going to show me that I'm unworthy. So let me like chase, chase you. So available. <laughs> mm, that's a good one. Yes. Everybody put that on your list. Available. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so chanting, chanting, chanting for this person who's on my list and the list is on my altar. Then she tells me that there's this guy I'm going to meet. And I remember the moment that I saw him. He was acting. He was on set. I had been brought onto the set. And I watched him do this. He made this joke. And he, like, wiped. He used his finger and he, like, wiped his eye. And he was like, <laughs> And did this, like, big kind of grand gesture. And I was like, he's smart. He's talented. He's funny. He's cute. I like this guy. I remember that moment, but I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to marry him or he's my boyfriend or anything like that. I wasn't like sexually like, oh yeah. I was just, I just felt that. And then he was just being my friend. And then one day he took me like, he was helping me with auditions and like rubbing my shoulders and just being a friend. But then one day he took me to this restaurant and he paid. And I'm like, oh, okay. 
And I was like, nah, I don't know about this guy to my friend, to my girlfriend, because he likes me. He's good to me. I don't know what I, I mean. He's just a friend, like whatever. I'm not attracted to him. And she was like, would you just give him a chance? Because look at these pictures on Facebook of him or MySpace or something, right? It was my, yeah. during the time, time of MySpace. She was like, look at how sexy he is. Like, look at these pictures. And I'm like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess. Oh yeah. I guess he is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. So then we went, I met up with him at this party and we ended up kissing uh, that night. And I finally was allowing someone who, you know, was, was a friend first. I mean, my other boyfriend was a friend first, but he really was everything on my list. And the funny thing was that I didn't even know that it was like, you would think that I would meet him through Buddhism because we had all these similar friends in Buddhism, but we met on an acting job. (laughs) And then we ended up acting together for a year on that job because it was for the LA film school. So it was, they were putting on a TV show and, uh, and that, and that was that. Yeah. Um, It sounds to me as I just listened to you, like share this story. I love it. Um, it's that like you became available, you put that Mm. on your list, somebody who's available and you became available to receive the match that you were actually wanting instead of chasing someone. Yes. And you just reminded me that's, um, I remember having the realization that everything on that list that I was chanting for while I was chanting, I, I remember having the realization of, oh, this is who I need to be. Mm. I remember that moment of like, oh, I have to be these things on this list. Um, yeah. Ah, so good. I've heard that before of like, I don't remember where it's like everything that you want in someone else, write it down and then you be that. And then yes. you will align attract it yeah attract that oh I love that so good okay so I want to come back to what you said in the beginning because we're talking about like the return to the soul but we always are really but like really being aligned and attuning um and that on this journey that it will always be something that we're constantly kind of you know sometimes it's in big huge massive um mountains that are like in our way and that we're climbing. And sometimes it's just like the little teeny tiny, like micro shifts that we're attuning to, but it like never really does go away. It's, we're always like attuning to the soul because there's so much around us that, um, distracts allows yeah. us. Yeah. And allows us to do that. It's like, it, it kind of makes us, um, constantly checking in. Right. So as you, you know, were available, you were with your husband, you said you went through a lot of really hard times mm-hmm. because all of you was invited to the table, but yes, he was on the ride with you as you kind of sorted things out. Yeah. So, um, will you talk about like kind of that journey through, because sometimes we want to run. Sometimes we think we can't 
bring our whole self to the table because we might be abandoned, like you said, or that we can't fully just show up as ourselves. So what was that like as you kind of brought all of you to the table? We fought a lot. All of my insecurities and a girlfriend of mine that I've been helping, she's going through this right now with her new husband. And it's just, it's painful. We, we fought a lot because it was like, you're going to leave me. You're going to think some other woman is better. And uh, as soon as you start really fully caring about someone else with your whole heart, like you fall, you completely fall in love. You are so vulnerable. And then all those defenses are just like, fuck this. I'm going to protect you. And then it's the testing for me anyway. And I think a lot of women, what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I show you this side of me? What if I push you away? Are you still going to come back? And we did a lot of the ego power games. So who's running this house? So who's in charge? Who are you going to make me feel safe? Because I don't feel safe. So I if I don't feel safe, I'm going to get angry. So what I discovered recently is in our human design, we both have an undefined root. So we're constantly like looking to the other person to feel safe. And we're both like, oh, so then if we financially, for example, because that's been and a lot of couples like, but for us, like money, right? That's been a big one. No, I'm looking at him. Are you going to make me feel safe? And he's looking at me. Are you going to make me feel safe? Because we both have this undefined route and we just amplify that fear. So that's something we've had to work on together. Lots of hypnosis. <laughs> We used to listen to this Paul McKenna, I Can Make You Rich hypnosis, mm. which is so good. Have you heard that one? I haven't, no. It's so good. And we used to make fun of it, but it's like, program your mind to make you rich. These words should be coming from the right-hand side and these from the left. And then he tells the story and he's like, if only I could give you this beautiful moon. And it's just hysterical. So when you first, when you get over like the, the comedy of it, 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 I used to just play it over and over. We'd play it out loud together. We both had these like matching abandonment wounds and then these matching financial fears. So all of that feeling of first chakra unsafety just was playing out playing out but then I think again this thing of like every time we would test each other and we wouldn't go anywhere because here we are we're committed then I think it becomes more and more safe to like unpack the whole suitcase and really just accept and love each other and then for us so every time we would move it would get a little better the relationship it was like a graduation for our relationship so the first apartment we fought the most 
the second apartment a little less. Then when we finally moved to like a condo, which was nicer, like each was an upgrade as in terms of how nice it was as well and how much we were paying. When we, our first apartment, we were like jumping up and down excited, like, oh my God, we get to have this place. And looking back, it's like, yeah, it was okay, but <laughs> it was so amazing to us. Um, and then the next place, my dad had to help us, you know, financially. And then like the next place, it was like, oh, Jake, finally, he had broken through in his professional screenwriting career. He was working all these jobs and like he finally broke through. And so then it was like, okay, we're, we're kind of good. Then it was the postpartum stuff. We had to go through like birthing, home birthing, both of our kids at home, like in the water. That was a whole thing. That was a whole layer of like, oh, I see you. I accept you. Like, here we are. We're in the mm -hmm. literal shit and blood and tears right here. And, uh, and then as you know, like raising children together, that brings out all the other, how are we going to parent? How are we going to provide? How are we going to survive on no sleep? And, uh, and then, and then when we moved from the condo in the valley to Chatsworth, um, further into the valley, into a really nice home, then we fought even less. We were we had kind of like okay you're here I'm here we've we're doing this we we've we've birthed together a couple times now like you know and then occasionally like stuff would come out where I would like say to him the stuff that like his deepest fears like if we'd get in a fight once in a while and I'd be like saying all the things that he was it's so have you ever had that where you like say all the stuff that they think about themselves it's not even what you necessarily think but it's like here i'll say it to you like this is the thing you think about yourself well they here you go you're this and you're this and you're this does that feel good you know like that kind of a fight and uh and then when we moved out of la to um where we are now in washington we don't we hardly fight so it's just taken that time to like mature and grow up. Just be like, oh, well, and then back to the practices of coming home to the soul that you are. Finding Akashic record reading. When um, I found once we moved to Chatsworth to the Valley, that was a whole coming back, returning to the soul that I am and helping others do that. That was massive healing. Um, and then finding breath work um originally years ago when i lived in new york and then it came back again here um more recently in the past few years that was finally through the breath work i am safe for myself that was mm. massive massive oh wait you don't you're not supposed you don't have to make me safe like i'm safe for myself Therefore, I can help all of you around me feel safer because I know this. I got this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That was big. That was a lot of releasing trauma in the body through breath work. Mm -hmm. Lots and lots and lots of breath work. Okay. I know we're like coming off yeah. of the <laughs> soon, but I want you to quickly talk about this because I like – 
since I was a child, like I've been doing deep healing. I have this one healer who I absolutely love and trust, and she has amazing boundaries. And it's like cracking open the armor, as you say, and like letting and like letting the armor down and healing all of these pieces of myself. I love how you say boundary. She has amazing boundaries. Oh my God. That's um, that's so interesting. Yeah. That don't have good boundaries. And I really love her boundaries and tapping into other people's No, She won't go into other people's energy, just mine. So it's like this, like unbecoming and shedding layers and cracking open. And Mm. it really comes down to that. As you say, like providing that safety for yourself, loving yourself. But when people say, oh, just love yourself, right? Like, because that's all the spiritual community is. It's always always comes down to love yourself, right? That's the soul level truth. And for me, it's like, what does that mean? Like, Mm. how, how? Yeah. Because I don't think people know how. No, I think it comes down to the healing. It's like these deep rooted, um, deeply rooted things that we need to heal. And so I want you to get in the body because for like my whole life, I couldn't even like, even as an adult, couldn't cross my legs. I had chronic pain in my whole body. I was so Mm. not flexible. Mm. I went to massage weekly, chiropractic, acupuncture, um, and every single time, every time they said, how are you, or like, how are you even walking? You are so tight. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be walking. What I've never seen a body like yours. I've never seen this system and wow. I've done healing, healing, healing. And just recently this one injury forced me to go, like I got dry needling, like eight sessions in a row. Um, and like, I held this in my body for yep. so long and it's like, Oh, the, 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 like let go. It's like, oh my gosh, I actually, that's so much trauma. And I knew it and mm-hmm. I just didn't know. Cause there was nothing else. I'm like, no, I have a lot of shit to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like the, the uncovering, unlayering, cracking. Yes. Open. So as you talk, you can't about, like, like figure your way into being healed. You no. can't talk your way into being healed. Wouldn't it be nice if you could, because that would be so much easier and faster. (laughs) Um, So when you do like the mountain breath work and the Akashic records and all of that, talk to us about how we move like the energy or whatever stuck and the traumas in ourselves or like unveil it. Or how does that work so that we can actually really truly, you know, have some healing so we can carry on and feel more connected to our soul. Yeah. So with Akashic, it's a sacred prayer that if you're having your Akashic records read, the practitioner uses, at least in the modality of the way I practice and I teach it. And so your master's teachers and loved ones are being accessed for you, with you, with your permission, your intention. And there's that safe space that's created as a communion, as an agreement, like, hey, we're gonna all circle up here in this energy of love. 
and we're all together as detectives going to look at like what are what are the causes and conditions what's the soul level truth is this related to a past life or past lives is this related to fear in this moment that you're projecting into the future let's use some spiritual tools and release like i'll talk them through releasing if it's a lot if it's a lot of emotion that's stuck energy i have tools that i'll talk them through and then after that we might end the session or that's enough because opening the akashic and agreeing to opening it is a healing in and of itself being heard actually in the akashic is a healing it's a layer of that healing in and of itself and then getting the soul level truth images words um that understanding of being dignified and elevated, validated, seen, loved unconditionally, that is a whole spiritual experience that happens in the Akashic. Mm. It's, it's, it can be a physical healing and it's also sort of these like um, soul level realizations. With the breath work, that was the thing, like I said, that was like, oh, I can be safe for myself because that nervous system regulation comes through the breath and through the discipline of the breath. So it's the way that I practice, it's a laying down, not a sitting up because you could pass out really, honestly. <laughs> like it's intense work and you really need to feel safe and you really need to feel not that you can't do breath work sitting up, you can, but the way I practice it is you lay down and we're gonna take at least 20 minutes, usually an hour, mm. like ideally an hour. And when you're gonna lay down, you're gonna feel held by the floor, by the earth, by mother earth. You are being held by that. You're going to start to override the mind through the breath. And the ego is like, no, right? And grips on, and that's how sometimes you can get like the tension in the head or the tetany. That tension in the head to me is, is a version of tetany. Sometimes I'll feel that if my ego is like, nope, it's not safe. I don't wanna let go of this. And then that, that energy of the ego wanting to, that thinks it's doing, it's, it's, it's trying to do its job, the ego's job, like, let's keep everything the same, like, even if it's a familiar hell, and, you know, we're just going to hold on for dear life, and we're just going to think the same thoughts, because that's what we know, and that's what, and that's what, where the grooves are, so we're just going to keep doing that, but then what happens is, through the breath taking over because your intention of your heart of like your soul of your spirit is like i know there's something better i want this peace i want this calm i want this release i want to feel expressed i want to be authentic i want to share my truth i can't be this version anymore of how i'm showing up like my soul is crying like they call it like julia cameron calls it like the kriya right like the cry of the soul and i'll say like this when we get to the primal sounding this is going to be either like a low guttural rebirthing sound or it's going to be a kriya cry of the soul or it's going to be screaming at the top of your lungs into your pillow 
And we do that at sports games. Everyone does it at a sports game. We all go crazy, whether it's in our home watching TV or in the stadium. Why can't we give ourselves permission to have that for ourselves? We shut the door. Maybe we put a noise machine outside that door so we don't feel self-conscious and give ourselves 100% permission to, it doesn't have to make any sense. It's not logical. We're not looking for the root. We're not analyzing it. We're not controlling it. We're not defending anything. And then when we can get that body, the body on board with like, I don't have to do anything except breathe. I don't have to defend anything. And so then that part, those parts, and this what's happened, as you may know, with psilocybin is it's like people who are listening, you can't see, but my hands are like gripping when those grips start to loosen because of the science of the breath, everything can just kind of relax and the body knows everything. It is so wise. And the fallacy is that the mind Right. It's like, oh, you just need to be rational and logical and figure things out and be practical. And if you just know the mathematical scientific way of doing something with calculating all of the risks and this and that, like that, it's like thinks that that's safe and it's bullshit because that's not actually going to make us happy. That's actually going to make us suffer and be miserable. But when we allow the body to take over, it's so happy. It knows exactly what we need. It knows exactly how to get it. It expands and it expands and it expands and it expands our spirit, our soul and our mind. And then we're like so completely blissed out and expanded and safe for ourselves and orgasmically alive. You know, it's just like, oh, this is, there she is. This is me. There I am. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the best feeling in the whole world. Isn't to be it? like completely aligned. Mm-hmm. So that I love feeling that more than anything. And I love providing the safety for other people to get themselves there. And it might take a few sessions. It might take 10 sessions. That's okay. Like it's all about like, you get to decide you're your highest authority. Mm, Okay. This is all so amazing. Um, I love you. Thank you for sharing (laughs) your story so openly and vulnerably, just like putting it all out there because I think so many people can relate that are listening in and see themselves in this story. And um, what a blessing that you help people get there too. Because when you said that, it's like, you can feel it's like almost like your heart like opens up there's rays of sunshine a sparkle in your eye the energy the fort like around your body when you're around people like that you can feel it when you are attuned and aligned yourself you can feel that beautiful vibrant energy so and it and it is a journey so where can people find you if they want to connect with you have questions mm-hmm. for you, want to work with you, um, where can we all come Thank you to get- so much, Candice. Yeah. I love you too. You're such a soul sister. 
you brought me to these places that I totally did not expect to go. And I so deeply appreciate you for that. Thank you for creating the safe space for me to feel comfortable enough to share things that I wasn't planning on sharing or thinking I was going to share. And that means everything. I can be found on Instagram at Siri Baruch Thornton. So it's S-I-R-I-B, like boy, A-R-U-C, Thornton, T-H-O-R-N-T-O-N. Or sageandblushwellness.com, sageandblushwellness.com. I would love to be friends with whoever's listening from your world because I'm sure anyone in your world is a beautiful person. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. The people who are around here. Yeah. Beautiful souls that are on the path, on the journey and are here for it to shed one layer at a time so they can really be truly more who they are and shine. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It was all amazing. Mm, thank you, Candace. I could talk to you forever. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.